This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 205. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk with two awesome dudes. My name is Sebastian Dabome. I'm the U.S. Ambassador for Monkey Shoulder Whiskey. And we'll also talk with Sam Ross, who was one of the original bartenders at Milk and Honey, who worked under Sasha Petrosky. Um, and it was wonderful to work with him. You know, he put a lot of... You know, a lot of training in the early days and then just put a lot of um, a lot of trust. There was a lot of trust. Sasha's name's been coming up so often on the show lately. As you probably know, he left us way too early. But his inspiration lives on th- throughout the industry. It's obvious that uh, Sasha had a huge impact on your life, huh? Yeah, you can, t- t- you can say that, definitely. <laughs> That's Jake Corney. We spoke to him at San Antonio Cocktail Conference, and he was another uh, Sasha Petrosky protege, uh, trainee. Anyway, Monkey Shoulder invited us out to Brooklyn for a real nice press event. The event was held at Diamond Reef, which at the time was in the pre-opening phase. It actually opened on March 1st, 2017. Diamond Reef is a project from the Attaboy uh, boys, <laughs> Sam Ross and Michael McIlroy. If you don't know about Attaboy, well, Sasha Petrosky opened the original Milk and Honey on Elder Street in Manhattan, December 31st, 1999. It was an iconic bar inspiring a generation of bartenders. When Sasha decided to move to a slightly larger play, uh, space and uh, move up a little a little further uptown, uh, two of the guys that worked at Milk, at Milk and Honey for Sasha took over that space and they called it Attaboy, and that's Sam Ross and Michael McIlroy. So, uh, yeah, so Diamond Reef is a new project from, from those guys, and uh, we had a nice event there. One of the uh, cocktail, we actually mixed up our cocktails uh, at the event. Uh, each of us got a got our own little station, and we uh, we mixed up some cocktails, and this is one of them, and that'll be our cocktail of the week. So, which is basically a whiskey sour with some jam. It's the monkey jam sour. So we used two ounces of monkey shoulder scotch, one ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and two bar spoons of jam. So you could use a, a raspberry or a strawberry or a, uh, even an orange marmalade would be good. And a dash of orange bitters, shake that all up with ice, and uh, or use a conga shaker, which is a, an old-timey kind of shaker with uh, handles on it. Kind of hard to explain. I'll, I'll put a picture of it on the, on the website. That's what it sounds like when you use it. Monkey Shoulder kind of um, reintroduced this funky shaker to the world. (laughs) Uh, So they're they're pretty fun. But um, anyway, so shake that all up with ice. Double strain into a Collins glass filled with fresh ice, or you could use a double old-fashioned glass. And uh, make sure you use a double strainer because the jam, we don't want, you know, we want the essence of that jam in the drink, but we don't want gloppy jam in the drink so the double strainer will help you get rid of some of that um and you can top it with just a little club soda and uh take an orange twist express the oils from your orange twist over the drink and drop that twist right into your drink so there you got the monkey jam shoulder monkey jam sour not so (laughs) monkey jam shoulder i think it's that maybe that's a better name all right, let's move on to the book of the week. And this review comes to us from Hazel Alvarado, who helps me out so much on the show. Thank you, Hazel. And uh, this the book this week is Malt Whiskey Yearbook 2017, The Facts, The People, The News, The Stories by Ingarv Rond. Here's Hazel's review. 
The Malt Whiskey Yearbook is published annually and contains current information on 400-plus whiskey distilleries around the world, whiskey shops, whiskey websites, and new bottlings, part reference guide, part industry commentary. This 12th edition includes chapters such as Watch Out the Millennials Are Coming, Global Giant Diageo, The First 20 Years, and Whiskey Pricing, The Elephant in the Room. Its paperback format features concise distillery summaries, tasting notes on choice expressions, and current industry statistics. It makes it a perfect addition to your spirited reading library. Thanks for that, Hazel. Hey, if you have a book or a cocktail of the week you'd like to contribute, please let us know. Go to bartenderjourney.net slash contact, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have something to add or just uh, have something to say or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're also taking guest blog posts, so if you have something to contribute, you know, let us know. And uh, it could be something about the local cocktail scene in your area or about your bar or about a trip you've been on or a new interesting product you've tried, uh, whatever. So, yeah, if you want to get involved with Bartender Journey and be a guest blog poster, let me know. And uh, yeah, if you got something interesting to say, you know, maybe we'll even get you on the show. We'll get into our interviews with Sebastian and Sam in just a minute, but first, a sometimes segment on the show that I call Stuff I've Picked Up Along the Way. I attend a lot of events and scribble down notes nonstop, so I want to share some of this stuff with you sometimes. At Bar Methods last year, we took a class, uh, well, we took a lot of classes on everything from juices to garnishes, shaking, stirring, prepping your bar. One class was called The Performance, Hospitality and Guest Interactions, taught by Ted Kilpatrick. He had a lot of great things to say, but one thing that really stuck with me was he said, quote, don't tell people enjoy, that's a command, speak in complete sentences, end quote. I was thinking about that recently and started doing it behind the bar. But like when people come sit at my bar for a cocktail before dinner and then they leave to go sit down uh, in the dining room, I used to say, enjoy your dinner. And now I've altered that just slightly to say, I hope you enjoy your dinner. And I've found people really respond to that. It just feels more uh, more natural, more hospitable. And uh, so, yeah, give it a try. Speaking complete sentences. I think it's smart. All right, that's the end of Stuff I've Picked Up Along the Way. Let's talk to the Monkey Shoulder Ambassador, Sebastian. My name is Sebastian Dabome. I'm the U.S. Ambassador for Monkey Shoulder Whiskey. Monkey Shoulders, great stuff. Well, let's start with the name, Monkey Shoulder. Where's it come? What's, where's that name come from? Really cool story. Um, basically, the name comes from a shoulder strain that the malt men used to suffer years ago. Um, those guys were turning the barley by hand using shovels, and because it was, you know hard jobs and you know at the end of the day they really feel like pretty much like having a monkey on the shoulder and that's a nickname they gave to this strain injury um, luckily they don't suffer from this anymore because the method changed but as a dedication and an odd a little bit to the small men we give we give our whiskey the name monkey shoulder so for anyone who doesn't know let's just yeah. explain what the malt men were doing, what that hard job was yeah, all about. So basically when you make a, a whiskey, you use uh, malted barley when you make a single malt. And uh, the malting of the barley is basically, you, you know, you wet the barley and then you wait until it germinates. But you have to turn it on a regular basis to make sure the germinate. So, so you've got all this barley uh, yeah. on, a, on a floor mm -hmm. and, it's, and you add water and That's, it starts to grow. Yeah, you, you add water, you put it like in a little swimming pool, you, you mix yeah. it with water. And then when it's ready to go, you take it out and you lay on this, what we call the malting floor right and because you don't want it to get too moist and go rotten basically you have to turn it on a regular basis so you had those guys coming with shovels and turning like i'm talking like by you hand know, yeah, yeah with pounds, a, like pounds a of barley, yeah <laughs> and so do that all day and shuffling around and turning it and shuffling and turning it so they just developed this strain this monkey shot this shoulder strain injury 
And uh, that's the name they gave to this sickness. Well, that, and that's a great name for yeah, a whiskey, too. Yeah, for us, too. it's a dedication to those guys who were at the beginning of all the hard work which goes through to make an amazing whiskey. So right, right. it was a nice touch for us to, you know, to follow the tradition, I mean, to little touch the tradition and to the hard work of those malt men. Right. So, so well, let's talk about uh, mon Monkey Shoulder. and it's a, So it's a blended whiskey. And a, a lot of people think that a blended whiskey is... Um, not is insuperior to a, a single malt whiskey, which is totally not true. I mean, yeah. it, you know, but monkey shoulder. There's a and and there's a reason why people think that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because because a, a blend whiskey, a blended Scotch may have the blended Scotch would have grain whiskey. Grain whiskey, yeah, that's may, right. May have grain whiskey. Yes, yes. So you've got but monkey shoulder does not have it that. It doesn't. Yeah, you've got three main category in a whiskey industry. You've got the single malt, which is usually you know your premium whiskey, your premium whiskey. Sorry that you're gonna you know uh, you know pay top dollars for it most most of the time. Um, you got the blended Scotch, which is a bit more approachable, uh, and that makes most of the market when you look at the you know the whiskey industry, and that is made with grain whiskey. When the single whiskey is only made of uh, pot still, if you want, right. uh, single distillation. When the grain whiskey, uh, they use a uh, the big column still, so it's a bit more industrial. Um, you can you can make whiskey 24/7, but it strips a lot of the flavors. We are sitting in between. We are a blend, what we call a blended malt. So we are a blend of single malt, still 100% malted barley, and only single malts. We don't use grain whiskey. But we use single malt from different distillery. Right. So it's so interesting that you don't call it a single malt because it's not a malted barley from a single distillery. That's right. But however, it is a single malt blend from several different distilleries. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's, that's the only difference from, from between us and a single malt. And a single malt will be from one distillery, one single distillery. When us, we can pick or, you know, we can make a barrel selection from different distillery, but right. always going to be single malts only. Right. Monkey Shoulder is a, a great product, mm -hmm. and it's also, um, the, the price is approachable, you yes. know? It's, so, it's, it's still, literally, when you look at the, the, the industry and when you look at the prices of single malts, and, you know, I'll say again, we are blend of single malts. When you look at our price, it's, it's literally a still... Um, we made it to be approachable for, I mean, the main reason is because we wanted to break the rules a little bit. We wanted to bring something on the market, which is delicious on its own. Like you can have it neat or on ice, it's a wonderful whiskey. But we also wanted to be, I mean, he makes shockingly good cocktails. We wanted something which is versatile. We wanted to offer something to the bartenders and say, hey, go and mix with, you know, this amazing single malt and, and have a play with it. And most of the time people will be like, wait, 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 single malt, too expensive, can't do that. But because we made it so affordable, it allowed you to experiment with it. Right, right. And so, what what are your, some of your favorite Scotch cocktails? It's just cocktail. Um, well, well, we, we made we, some great ones. Yeah, tonight. To today, like you know, for example, <laughs> we made like the great jam sour. So, which is basically a whiskey sour with some jam. Yeah. Uh, we use a fig and cacao jam, which was great. Um, if you want something a bit more booze driven, so we made the malt jockey, mm -hmm. uh, which is. Uh, Kind of a twist on the Manhattan, more on a Martinez, if you know your cocktail, with maraschino liquor, some sweet vermouth, and a dash of chocolate bitters, with monkey shoulder, of course. That was delicious. That was really good. And the last one we did, all surprising as well, whiskey, monkey shoulder whiskey, pineapple syrup, champagne, and again, some maraschino liquor and some bitters. I mean, that's crazy. So that's just really to show you the potential 
of this whiskey is so versatile because it's a blend of Speyside whiskey and they're all uh, fruity, you know, fruity driven. It's no, it's no peat or smoke in this whiskey. So it make it really versatile when you talk about cocktails. Right, right. So, yeah, to talk about the different regions of um, scotch production. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned this is a, a blend of all Speyside whiskey. Speyside, that's right. right. Yeah. And, and that has a, a fruity quality to it and um, it, it does. vanilla. It, yeah, and yeah, it does in cinnamon. general. Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, you know, in, in Scotland, you got those, all those main regions. And usually when you look on the coast, it's a little bit more like smoky and salty. And the Speyside always been... Uh, famous for their fruity whiskey. You know, the industry is changing, but it's, it's still a main characteristic. And for us, because we also age in first field bourbon barrel only, so yeah, you've got also this characteristic of, of vanilla and, and warm spice like cinnamons, you know, that you can you can really smell oh, and so taste. Oh, so that's in where the, the cinnamon comes yeah, from, maybe yeah, yeah. from the bourbon cask. Absolutely, the bourbon cask. First field bourbon cask as well. Uh, so always first field Always bourbon. first field bourbon cask, yeah. So we pretty much buy the, the, the cask of the bourbon industry and we use them to, to age your whiskey. So it's so a William, Williams and Grant uh, and Sons product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys release which, uh, which brands are used to blend the scotch, mm -hmm. but uh, I assume it's all William and Grant stuff, right? But yeah, the, the, original, the original batch, uh, it, was, um, it was a brief given to David Stewart, which is, you know, all malt master for now more than 50 years. He's, he's a legend in industry, you know, he created, I mean, he's, he's behind the brand like Balvini at the moment. He was looking after Glenfiddich as well, uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's taking a bit of time, a bit of time now to, to look after himself as well. But he, he, they asked him to come with a, new, with a new product and the brief was make something which is smooth and rich. And, uh, and if you can, we'd love you to play with those single malts and try to create something. And what he did, because he was sitting at a distillery, he took 27 casks from the distillery uh, where he was. So he played with products like Glenfiddich, the Balvini, and uh, another you know, uh, distillery we've got called Kiningvi. And he took you know, whiskey from this three distillery, 27 casks, blend them together, and, and came up with monkey shoulder. I'm always fascinated with the, the role of the, the blender, the master blender, this gentleman who oversees blending all this stuff together. And, but it's got to be hard to keep the consistency as well. And Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's hard to believe that those guys, um, you know, they go in and check out on the warehouses and they, they, they follow the cask and they, they know every, I mean, they know everything. They, they know this is incredible, but you know most of the job really literally happen in um, in the blending room, which is a room with you know all the aircon where everything is controlled like that. They can really focus on the smell, oh. and uh, and they smells like hundreds of you know spirits a day. You know, just like going around and 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 managing all the stocks and telling you they're looking for a certain flavor profile. So as I said before, we were making you know monkey shoulder with those specific brands, but you know it can always change. It can always play with different cask or you know even different brand because what they want is a specific flavor profile and that's why the mop master i mean that's why he's in a job because he's able to reproduce this flavor profile playing with different cask and even different distillery which is which is amazing that right. just blew my mind yeah, those guys, that's why they really get paid a big box those guys are amazing. like they're but incredible those guys got to be thinking like well you know i know we have this one brand that has to stay consistent but i can make this other thing it's really cool that's too it. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always they're always looking like innovating you know when you think oh a brand just came up and that's but 
that specific brand, like, um, uh, not a brand, but like this variation of, you know, Glenfiddich or Barvini, for example, or whatever, or New Cask, or, you know, they've been thinking about it for, for years already. When if you if you think about it, you know, they laid those whiskey 10 years ago. Yeah. So they already like, uh, like yeah, five ten, steps yeah, ahead, ten, if it's not right, 10, right, right. of you <laughs> already like enjoying chess. your whiskey. They're already <laughs> thinking about, you know, what's going to be the, the next step in, in 20 years. Right. So that, that's incredible when you think that they're going to have to wait 10 years sometime to see to see the results of their experimentation, so it's yeah, it's truly incredible. I got so much respect for those guys. Yeah, do you think there'll be any variations on the monkey show? You probably can't talk about yeah. it, but you know, do you, can, well, can you shed be, any light on that? Could, could be. We never know. Um, you know, we've been in a whiskey business for 100, 125 years now. Uh, we prove ourselves to be the pioneer in in many you know discovery in terms of you know cask finishing yeah. and, and and all that stuff and yeah stay tuned you'll you might see something soon <laughs> who knows awesome <laughs> such a pleasure hey, this was pleasure. a great event man thank I you really, for having me i really had a great time i'm glad you enjoyed it thank you very <laughs> thank much you, man. cool dude huh let's talk to sam ross next all right, well, I'm here with Sam Ross. Thanks for uh, hosting this event, man. This was really awesome. Uh, happy to have you guys in tonight. No so problem. it was a monkey shoulder event, and this is your brand new bar in mm-hmm. Brooklyn that's not even open yet, yeah? No, yeah, this is called the Diamond Reef. We're on the, um, we're on the, the Bed-Stuy side of Atlantic Avenue, just on the border of Crown Heights. Uh, we're ready to go. We're just we're, we're waiting on a, one last permit from the city. Uh, which should be any day now, and we're, we're, we'll be all set to, uh, to rock and roll. It, there's a lot of uh, hurdles to get over to open a, biz- a business, especially a bar in New York City, yeah? Yeah, they don't make it easy. <laughs> they don't make, you know, trying to do stuff in other, other states have been a, a bit easier than, uh, than New York and sort of California, that's for sure. All right. Mm. So what's the concept with this bar? It looks like a little uh, 70s, maybe? Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we, don't like to be, we don't like to do anything necessarily thematic with, with, our, you know, with our places. I very much feel like bars should be an organic uh, representation of, of the people that are opening them. So, you know, there's, there's a slightly tropical, you know, Los Angeles, Miami sort of a vibe to it. Certainly not trying to be tiki or anything like that. Um, but yeah, definitely a little bit of a tropical vibe. Lots of greenery, uh, some loud teal banquettes and a lot of wood. Um, but yeah, just, you know, a little bit, little bit more low-key uh, neighborhood vibes. Um, bit of food out here, which we, which we haven't done at our previous spots. So... Right. Yeah, that's, you know, nothing thematic, but uh, you would say there's a bit of a tropical vibe if you walked in here. It's also very nice and wide open, you know, it feels very, um, the ceilings are high and it's, it's just got a really, the space is, it's beautiful, man. Well, it was, it's an old, <laughs> thank you, thanks. It's an old automotive, automotive repair shop, so oh, that, wow. that explains the high ceilings. The wooden uh, center beam is actually covering the old joist that they used to pull out the, um, you know, the, the car engines, the blocks. Mm. Uh, so, and, you know, on either side of us is, is, is still the automotive repair shops. This is a little industrial strip. And then, you know, either side, on, you know, one block to the right, you've got Crown Heights and, and all the, the blossoming uh, um, residential that's there. And on, on the other side, you've got um, Bed-Stuy. Same, same again, a lot of restaurants and bars and, and residents uh, sort of moving in around there. So we're really happy to, to, be, to be in this neighborhood. And hopefully we, uh, we're well-received as well. I, I, I have no doubt. So I want to ask you, I mean, you, you worked at the original Milk and Honey under Sasha, and I was like, what, just, I, I never had the pleasure of meeting the gentleman, and, you know, I just want to ask you, like, what you took away from that experience, and what was it like, you know, working directly so closely with Sasha? It was amazing, you know. I worked with, you know, myself and, and Michael. We, 
we ran Milk and Honey on Eldred Street for about eight years, the last eight years of its uh, of its existence um, on Eldred Street before it moved up to uh, 23rd Street for that short short stint. Um, and it was wonderful to work with him. You know, he put a lot of you know a lot of training in the early days, and then just put a lot of um, a lot of trust. There was a lot of trust uh, there, and you know, he he trusted us to uh, to to run and manage the the bar as uh, you know in within the lines of you know what 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 he preached to us and uh you know it was frustrating at times but it was also very very rewarding and um you know he's he was a wonderful wonderful human being yeah. and uh and we 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 miss him dearly it's yeah, uh, it's a real sure. shame well wh- what do you think it was about Sasha that just i mean he had a very um he didn't have a lot of experience at all when he opened that bar right or or none at all right? i mean no not not in terms of <laughs> You know, not in terms of ownership. You know, that was his first. That was his first crack at it. His first stab at it. Yeah. But he had. But he had a very definite um, a, a vision. Folk vision. Yeah. yeah. He just basically the, the original idea with Atta, uh, sorry, I was about to say Attaboy, <laughs> with Milk and Honey was um, was he wanted to open the antithesis of what he thought of, of the antithesis of, of the New York night spot. He, he wanted to open something that um, defied what was common practice with uh, with with New York bars, and that was. Uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder, uh, loud music, crappy ice, watered down drinks, crappy mixes, crappy alcohol. Um, you know, and a meat market where you know where there was where women could you know n- be made to feel uncomfortable. Uh, so he wanted to open something very very different with that. Uh, much like any 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 person that wants to go into business, uh, he didn't necessarily have financial motivation. Uh, not to say like he was fabulously wealthy or anything like that. He certainly wasn't, but um, he really had a bit of a s- sort of socialist background, and and it was really more for the people and for the people working there. So you know, like he wasn't driven by profit margins. He wanted to make sure that the place was was operating and was an amazing experience for the people that came in there, and also you know uh, a source of rewarding income. Um, for the people that work there. Right, right. Yeah. So at, at the time, did you feel like you were part of something that was... Definitely. Spe- really special? Oh, definitely. You know, it was an amazing time to be working there. You know, in terms of staff retention, if this is any indication, uh, there was there was, there was was no turnover. We, 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 we rarely, rarely well, had... In, op- in fact, when he decided to close that place, you guys decided to take it over right. and start a new place. Right. So, I mean, that, that that's beyond staff retention. That's like... That's total dedication, I would yeah, say. Yeah, but you know, it didn't. It didn't feel like it was. You, you felt it was. It was very, very beneficial for everyone. It was great to be working there, um, and to be part of that. And there was just no reason. You know, you weren't. You you weren't sniffing around, keeping an eye out for another job somewhere else because there was nowhere else in the city at the time that that we that we'd rather be than you know than at Milk and Honey on on Eldridge Street. Right. So, right. Well, I thought it was very telling in the in the foreword of Sasha's book. Robert Simonson said, "Before Milk and Honey, I didn't much enjoy going out for a drink, but Sasha um, shared the vision of what I thought adult drinking could be." I hope, hopefully, I quoted that correctly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, very true, very true. And that's and that's what we that's what we tried to achieve. And I, you know, I feel like we did achieve. Uh, on every night, any given night at Milk and Honey. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, it's funny because at, at that time you kind of needed that, you know, the rules, and you needed, you know, gentlemen take off their hat and they don't um, address a lady who 
mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you know, and, and so we've kind of steered a little bit away from that now, and now it's all about the hospitality, and it's less, less focused on the cocktail, I guess you'd say, but that, it was so needed at that time, and, and, you, and you still see it, um, the ramifications of it are sure, still sure, felt sure. today. Yeah, the bar, that, you know, the call that the bar that was replicated around the world. Um, you know, and it, it mean, not just, you know, I mean, that could be any element of it. That could be from, you know, the aesthetics to the rules to, to, to the big ice, the drink preparation and thing like that. But um, at the time, it was needed. You know, we, uh, New York and, and, in, and in, in turn, the, the drinking public needed, uh, for the most part, you know, it's a, it's a gross generalization, of course, but a little reminder of, of, of etiquette. And that's and that's really what it was. It was just a reminder of etiquette. And same thing, you know, like if you want to trace back to like the whole anti-vodka, uh, not necessarily campaign, but but approach that we took, uh, and other bars opening at the time also took. It, it's it, it's not needed anymore because people, you know, like we want we 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 won that battle. We won that war. Like yes, there's still a lot of vodka drinkers out there, but there's now like there's a ton of people that are open to spirits other than vodka. And you know, it was never about you know, vodka being terrible or anything like that. It was just about, uh, like, getting outside of your comfort zones. It's funny that, yeah, you, you know, you see um, lately there's this sort of trend toward people ordering uh, a vodka Negroni. And, you know, a lot of bartenders feel uncomfortable with that or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, okay, they're drinking vodka. But, but they're drinking Campari and they're drinking good sweet vermouth and I, I think that's okay if this is their gateway let's do it sure. you know? it's a step in the right direction of course yeah absolutely absolutely well such a pleasure I don't want to take up any more of your yeah, time yeah no worries thank you Sam alright pleasure <laughs> thank you well, there you have it. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every week at the very end of the show. But I want to remind you first about Bar Institute Econo Tour. Bar Institute is taking the show on the road and visiting cities all over the U.S. for one day of classes and a pop-up event in the evening. What's so cool about this is they're going to a lot of sort of mid-sized cities that don't often get events like this. So, uh, And they're touring all around the U.S., and uh, even up to Canada, I think. So uh, the, all the information about that, you can find it on bartenderjourney.net slash BI, BI, like for Bar Institute. And uh, yeah, you, you, all the dates are there and uh, the information, and there's even a little contest there where you can win some swag. So uh, yeah, I hope you'll go. They're, all, they're, all they're asking for is $5, uh, which is all going to charity. So $5 for classes and the pop-up event with cocktails in the evening. Can't beat it, and you will enjoy it. And uh, yeah, the content. I, ho I hope, especially if you've never been to an event like this, you'll really check it out because uh, that's the whole deal, you know. With this this tour, I think is the fact that uh, they're going to uh, all all around this. You know, people don't have to travel that far if you're if you're not close to New York City or Chicago or L.A. or San Francisco, where you know so many events go on. Uh, they'll come to the mid-sized cities, and I think that's so awesome. And there's a social responsibility aspect to this as well. Well, each week they're picking a different social issue to focus on and I think that's so awesome and so timely as it turns out. So please check that out. Again, it's Bar Institute Econo Tour and you can find out more information about that on bartenderjourney.net slash BI for Bar Institute. Hey, if you like this show, do me a favor. Encourage a friend to listen to it. You can also leave us a review and give us some stars. Five stars is the most. I'm not telling you how many to leave. I'm just telling you five is the most. 
You can leave ratings and reviews right from your phone. If you're using iPhone, just go to the podcast app and use the search function on the bottom to find Bartender Journey. Click on the Bartender Journey purple icon and then click on Reviews, then leave a review. Be like Barback Jedi who left five stars and wrote, Excellent focus on cocktail and spirit education. Hey, Brian, big fan of the show. Love seeing it evolve over the last couple of years. It was a huge help to me when I got started. Thanks for doing it. Cheers. Hey, thanks to you, Barback Jedi, and uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for leaving a review. Appreciate it. Okay, here's our toast. May you live all of the days of your life. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. <laughs>